This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and this is the home for anybody curious about where their food comes from, want to learn about farming and ranching, direct-to-consumer business models, and even agritourism, which is always super fun. So to kick off 2022, we have an awesome interview. Today we are interviewing Patrick Montgomery from KC Cattle Company. So KC Cattle Company is an amazing direct-to-consumer Wagyu beef operation from, you might have guessed it, Kansas City. And um, Patrick has an awesome background. He was an army ranger for a time, and then he left the military. He started KC Cattle Company after getting an animal science degree, and he has been on this mission to deliver high-quality Wagyu to the people in Kansas City, and even because everybody across the U.S. can buy it, everybody in the U.S. can get some amazing Wagyu from Kansas City, and we're going to listen to Patrick's story today, which is, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, it's so cool going from Army Ranger, starting your own company, and even getting to the point where they have a Wagyu beef hot dog, and it was voted the best hot dog in the world by Food and Wine Magazine, I believe, which is phenomenal. And also, so how we actually learned about KC Cattle Company was Allie was working on her master's degree at Auburn, and one of the projects she was working on was looking at the portfolio of KC Cattle Company. And so she was like, yeah, you should interview these people. So yeah, finally it happened. Super excited to chat with Patrick. Had so much fun having him on. Be sure to check him out um, at kccattlecompany.com. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you have a happy 2022. Um, thanks for being here. More exciting content coming your way. And if you follow us on social media, you know we've kind of slightly changed the schedule for the podcasts, but nothing crazy. And so now we have kind of a rotating schedule. One week on Wednesdays, you will get a regular interview podcast like this one. 
And then the next week on Friday, you will get our Farm News Friday episodes, which are also available on our YouTube channel. So be sure to check those out. And again, hope you enjoy this. This is episode 134 with Patrick Montgomery from KC Cattle Company. All right. Well, Patrick Montgomery, welcome to Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing, man? Good. Let's try this again, Trevor. Sorry about yeah. the uh, technical <laughs> difficulties. So the internet's being difficult for both of us today. But um, yeah. like I was telling you earlier, I'm really excited to, to chat with you. You're the first episode of 2022. I'm really excited to learn about Casey Cattle Company. And um, so you've got a background as an Army Ranger, and then you transitioned from that into Casey Cattle Company. So tell us about that whole journey. Like, what inspired you to be a soldier, and then what motivated you to start Casey Cattle Company after that? Sure. Um, so, you know, my military aspirations started pretty young. I think I was about five years old, you know, listening and watching Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rambo <laughs> and and all the classics from when I was a kid. And, um, you know, between that and just kind of having an appreciation for the freedoms we enjoy from this country, I, I pursued and, and improved on those passions throughout my childhood. Um, I don't think I really knew exactly what I wanted to do in the military till about sophomore year of high school. Um, I had a brother-in-law who was in, in first ranger battalion and he kind of steered me away from being a Navy SEAL, which is what I wanted to do at that point and, uh, pushed me a little bit towards that, that army ranger career. Um, so I graduated high school in 2008, uh, did a year at Northwest Missouri state university with an ROTC scholarship and just kind of decided that the officer route wasn't really for me. Uh, so I dropped out and enlisted and, uh, you know, pursued that, that pathway towards a uh, first ranger battalion with vigor. Wow. So what was the whole process of like, um, I mean, going to the army and then going into ranger school, like how long was ranger school? And I mean, how grueling was that whole process? So the way it works for, for ranger regiment is you start out you do basic and AIT, which is, um, advanced individual training. So basically your, your school MOS. So I did both of those. That's about 12 weeks. And then you do airborne school after that, which is, another three weeks, and then you do what's called RASP, which is the Ranger Assessment Selection Program, which is another eight weeks. Um, after that, you report to your prospective battalion, uh, and you do a deployment with them. Um, when you come back from that, if they deem you're ready for a leadership position within regiment, then you go to Ranger School, which is an additional three-month program. Okay, that's awesome. And then so, so what, well, I mean, how how was that experience? I mean, like how, how eye-opening was it? I mean, I'm sure it was one of those things you look back and you're like, wow, like, what was that like? You know, it's just kind of funny how like uh, time just dulls memories, right? Like I remember <laughs> at, at the time being, you know, 20, 21 years old, 22 when I did ranger school. And um, I remember it being absolutely brutal, right? Like it, it absolutely breaks you down as a person. That's, that's the point of the school is to, to kind of get rid of all the societal norms and to kind of push you towards your breaking point and to see how you perform under those, those stressors. Um, looking back on it, I consider myself incredibly blessed to be able to have those opportunities because uh, you don't get it anywhere else in, in this country we live in because, you know, life's mm. pretty easy as a civilian in the United States. Even during hard times that we've experienced these last two years, you still don't have to worry about, you know, food on your table. You still don't have to worry about, you know, how you can keep, um, keep yourself out of the elements, right? Those things are, those things are pretty easy to come by. Um, so 
that's the biggest takeaway I, I have is, you know, even when I'm having a tough day within the company and I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm, I'm going to pay my bills. I can still go to the refrigerator, pull out a, uh, you know, freezer meal and just throw it in the microwave <laughs> and, and still stay warm. So, yeah, I, that's a good perspective. I mean, even like here in the U.S., even our worst days are still better than the best days for other people around the world. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff that we take for granted. And I mean, even with COVID, like life has been different, but it's still I mean, it's still not bad. We can still go out and get stores. We're not. I don't know, like super duper locked down like other countries are. And I mean, it's it's been kind of eye opening for sure, because I've never really experienced anything like this. And so it's it's weird, you know? No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it, it's been I feel like there'll be a lot of really interesting case studies that come out of 2020 and 2021. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think I talked to everybody that listens to the show, like, thank you for your service and, and everything that you did. And, and if you don't mind me asking, like, what's like, what's the appropriate response? Like for somebody like myself, a civilian commenting on you, um, a veteran, like what's the appropriate response? Like, thank you for your service. I mean, what are your I, thoughts there? Honestly, I, I could care less, Trevor. There's some people that are pretty particular <laughs> about that, but you know, I, I mm. definitely you're, you're welcome is what I'm gonna say. And then you know, I also just thank you for taking the time to say it. Um, you know, I knew what I was signing up for, and I, it was the best job I ever had. So, um, you know, you can thank me all you want, but I loved it. <laughs> loved the job, and it was it was a ton of fun. And um, you know, being a being a ranger is kind of like being a, a rock star for a little while. So. I bet it was. That's so cool. I mean, I mean, when you hear when there's any like military movie, it's usually the Army Rangers or the SEALs that are like rock stars in those movies. And so you yeah. were one of those rock stars for a while. <laughs> well, they, they've they've increased a little bit. There's a long time where people got confused with the Army Rangers and Park Rangers. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. I like so. that. Um, so then after you got out, you went and you got your animal science science degree. Is that right? Yeah, so um, I got out of the military in 2014 and went back to school to become a uh, large animal vet. So I was doing my undergrad animal science, and um, during that that time period, I just decided that. Um, well, really, I, I decided that large animals was a pretty tough career to to really kind of make the amount of money that I needed to provide for my family, and I just mm -hmm. couldn't handle doing the small animal side. So. Um, I was doing minor in entrepreneurship at the time, and I came up with the idea for this company, and that was kind of the, the precipice that takes me to where I'm sitting right now. So, There you go. And so you guys specialize in Wagyu beef, and so was there like a moment in your schooling that you decided, you know, let's go the Wagyu route, or was that something you figured out once you started the business? Well, I had a, another ranger buddy down in Austin, Texas, uh, Ranger Cattle, that um, was doing Wagyu beef mostly to restaurants in that area. Um, he was killing it. And, you know, he kind of introduced me to it and I started doing a ton of research. And, um, you know, at that point, there was only one or two e-commerce businesses that they really focused on the Wagyu beef market. So I saw an opportunity there uh, for, for the Midwest. And, um, you know, I kind of hit the ground running once I graduated. That's awesome. And so once you graduated, you built up Casey Cattle. Um, for the first few years, like, what was that process like? I mean, like working with those ranchers, kind of working on your brand. What was that like? Uh, it was like drinking from a fire hose, man. You know, like <laughs> they say in the military, like the best plan in the world goes out the window when that first round goes mm -hmm. over your head. And it, that transfers very well to business as well. I had this awesome business plan about how we were going to attack the Kansas City market. We are going to you know, take the Wagyu beef market by storm and uh, it, it all fell apart those first couple of years. We really wanted to focus on the wholesale market, and we were just probably a little too early to, to you know, the restaurant market here in Kansas City with a more expensive beef option. Um, mm -hmm. 
we, we kind of got out of that almost all together in 2018, the end of 2018, and really started focusing on you know, serving the direct consumer. And that's kind of where we found our niche there in 2019. Gotcha. I mean, so how has COVID impacted you guys? Because I know y'all kind of sell direct and I've seen just so many companies start selling direct to consumer during COVID. Like some companies here, like um, Florida Cattlemen, um, Boyd Farms Fresh is a beef ranch from Georgia and Florida that we've interviewed that started doing that. I mean, so it sounds like it's kind of been a win-win for a lot of those direct to consumer people. So what's it been like for y'all? 2020 was definitely a big win. 2021 was, was tough. Um, really? I, I think a lot of people saw that uh, in the e-commerce businesses. There's just such an influx in, in demand in 2020 mm. uh, and that demand fell off pretty hard in 2021 uh, and that coupled with inflation was pretty brutal. I bet. So what is your, I mean, without giving away any trade secrets, of course, for Casey Cattle Company, like what's the whole model look like? Like from the start where you're working with a rancher that has Wagyu from the time you process it, from the time it gets to the consumer, like what does that process look like for you guys? Yeah, so um, we do have a ranch up in Weston that we are working on maxing out cattle right now. That'll kind of be our purebred full blood herd. So that's something that we're going to be launching here in a couple of years. Um, right now, majority of what we sell is uh, F1 to F2. So that 50 to 75% mark uh, like you. Um, mm-hmm. It sells a lot better for a couple different reasons. One, the price point's a lot cheaper. And second being um, that full blood can be really rich. And uh, what we figured out is Americans still like a big steak. And if you do that full blood option, it's, it's almost too much for people. It's too much for me. So, um, yeah. you know, and you're, you're charging you know, 90, 90 bucks for you know, a stripper to buy versus 40 to 50 bucks. So, but <laughs> I mean, it's pretty pricey, but worth it, worth it. Cause it's some delicious meat. It is. It's definitely, it's not your everyday meal, but for special occasions, it's pretty awesome. So. <laughs> so, I mean, how much are you guys tasting there? I mean, I, honestly, if I owned like a direct to consumer beef market or something like this, like Wagyu, I mean, I might be 400 pounds because I'd be eating beef every single day, trying all the tomahawk steaks and stuff. So, I mean, how much are you guys like just kind of tasting to see what's going on and how the quality is? It's definitely a benefit of working here. Uh, you eat pretty <laughs> well. So, you know, regardless of what you do, you know, when you're when you're taking live animals on the hoof and converting that to a finished product. There's always going to be a little bit of waste product, whether it's broken cryos or it's not cut to spec or, or whatever it may be. And that, that's kind of what gets sent home with all the employees. So uh, mm-hmm. we all eat very well and, and red meat's definitely a staple of all of our diets. So the, not just red meat, but the good red meat. So that's the a good pretty good problem meat. to have. <laughs> it is funny, though, because we're, we're famous for our hot dogs. And I don't think there's a single employee here that, that can still stomach a hot dog sweet so many of them. So. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of that, so you guys have been voted the best hot dog in the world. So what's the whole story behind that? Yeah, um, so when we when we started kind of attacking that, that direct-to-consumer market, one of our um, marketing deals was we, we brought on a PR firm. Um, they, they're absolutely fantastic. They, they got a bunch of awesome write-ups for us those first couple of years. And uh, one of being... One of them being a write-up in food and wine that did a comparison mm-hmm. of our hot dogs compared to some of our competitors. And uh, they pro- proclaimed we had the best hot dog in the world. Uh, apparently, there's nothing to talk about on August 1st, 2019, because it was like the number one article on Apple News, Yahoo, and MSN for 24 hours. Hey. Um, so we went from you know shipping 20 orders a week to we had 10,000 orders roll in overnight. So that was kind of oh what put gosh. us on the map. and. 
um, you know, we definitely lost money on that deal because we weren't designed to, to ship <laughs> a single pack of hot dogs across the United States, but what we gained out of it was a pretty awesome customer base. I mean, well, yeah, what was that like going from 20 orders, like 10,000 overnight? I mean, I'm sure you guys came in like stressed, but happy, but real stressed. Yeah, it was pretty stressful, man. You know, the funny part is, is like, we, for example, we use Shopify for, for our website mm. platform. And, you know, it, 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 we also allowed Squarespace and I think Amazon Pay at that point. And okay. uh, all three of them, when that happened, they wouldn't give us the money because they're like, we think you guys are scamming and we're, you're just going to oh, yeah. take this money. So it's just funny, you know, that I had to provide all this additional documentation, you know, to make sure I wasn't going to just take all that money and run to Mexico or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, probably it, safe on their part, but I'm sure you're like, give us our money. We need it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I got to go buy all this product. So it was really stressful. Um, it took us about eight weeks to, to work through that backlog. We were pretty worried about people getting frustrated with us, but um, you know, kind of what we figured out is just by being transparent with people and, you know, every step of the way, giving them updates. So here's the orders we're shipping this week. And, you know, what we found is a lot of Americans were just happy for our success um, mm. it was kind of the American dream and, and people were super thankful for that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Luckily it seems like a lot of people really want to support like some American homegrown, um, companies and businesses and stuff that they really support like you guys. Um, and so before I forget about it, so when you're shipping your stuff, like how exactly do you, do you, um, package it? So my wife and I, we get one of these meal delivery services and, um, they've sent them in like three or four different types of material. Like some were in like, um, a styrofoam box. Other ones were in like a bag. Other ones had like this material that I think is like made out of like ground up blue jeans or something. Yep. And so it seems like there's a lot of shipping like ways you can ship meat and stuff. So what's kind of the stuff you guys use? There, there's been quite a few that we've used. We actually switched last year. Probably what you saw there is there was some huge inflationary issues with, with some of the packaging we we're using. So mm -hmm. um, we ended up switching to what's called uh, green cell foam they do these liners actually made out of corn cellulose that uh, dissolve with water um, oh, okay. so it, was a, it was a pretty cool product what well, well, we had a hard time you know switching from our current liner to this liner uh, was the performance so you know, our old liners would last up to four days in transit um, mm. and so we finally ended up switching these green cell because they were, they were comparable um, so we use a combination of dry ice and gel packs with that now, I didn't know how crazy dry ice is, and it's awesome because I, we went camping with some friends and a friend of mine bought like, he said you only need like five pounds for like a 20-gallon um, cooler, and he bought 20 pounds, and yep. he had, um, he, it's a joke, he always brings like bagel bites for camping for the heck of it, right? and um, they were frozen solid for like the whole weekend, but the ones yep. that weren't frozen, we kind of try to be bougie when we go camping. We brought an air fryer, and so he was putting the the, um, the bagel bites in the air fryer, and they took a while to dethaw. But dry ice—that's where it's at. When you got to ship some stuff and freeze some stuff, that is where it's at, and it's really cool to get. Dry ice is pretty freaking cool. It's like negative negative eighty degrees Fahrenheit on the surface temperature. It's nuts, man. But it it, it only you're, you're spot on. Five pounds only lasts about twenty four hours before it evaporates. So, yeah, it's wild. It's really fun. But um. All right, so another point. You guys, I saw on your website, you guys are part of this thing called Homegrown by Heroes. So what is that whole initiative? Yeah, so um, there's the, man, the Farmer Veteran Coalition. Uh, it's mm -hmm. an awesome nonprofit that they helped us quite a bit when we were trying to get on our feet. 
Um, and the premise of it is, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of guys getting out of the, guys and gals getting out of the military that are interested in the agriculture sector. Um, mm-hmm. And it can be pretty tough trying to navigate that if you're not from that industry. Uh, so kind of what they do is, is um, just help you with, with figuring out how you're going to fund it, developing your business plan. Um, they have a ton of different resources that they can link you up with if you're a member. So that, that logo is from them. That's really cool. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful that there's so many, um, I mean, organizations like that, that help people transition, especially from like veter- being a veteran to being a farmer. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've seen on Facebook that are, they're an old army ranger like you got, or they're like near force or coast guard or something like that. And they go on to start businesses. I mean, even not even in agriculture, for example, like my grandpa was in the coast guard for I think four or eight years. And then he built an elevator company. And I mean, it's, there's, I feel like there's so many business owners that can, that learned a lot in the military and they go on to build huge businesses from all the stuff that they learned. Yeah. We're a huge proponent of that. I think there's a lot of synergies between, you know, being in the military and and being an entrepreneur. So. Yeah. And I mean, especially now with, I mean, social media and internet, you're, you see so many startups and stuff start so quickly. So, I mean, it's, it's wild. I mean, if, if you if you have an idea, you can start it instantly. You can get backers and stuff like that if you're an entrepreneur or whatever. Um, what, what would you say was kind of your, what was your aha moment? Like when you were building KC Cattle Company and you're like, you know what? I think this is going to make it. Like, did you have any moments like that? Uh, honestly, I think it probably was the hot dog deal. Um, really? You know, I was pretty burned out by the time that happened. And, um, you know, it was almost like the the, the light at the end of the tunnel of like, man, we're probably going to lose money on this, but, um, you know, this, this could be a viable business if we just keep pressing on and, and making sure we're doing things right by people. Um, and that, that's kind of been the premise since I started the company, which is trying to take care of employees and, and customers and, and, um, you know, having faith in the fact that eventually that will result in a profit. Yeah. And kind of building off of that. Um, yep. so, I mean, after that whole hot dog thing was there, was there like a steady uptick in like the, the popularity of stuff? Like, did you have kind of a, I guess you could say like, you definitely had some customers that stuck around after the whole hot dog thing. Yeah, we definitely, our repeat customer rate was you know roughly 50% from that ordeal. Um, oh, wow. And so w- what we were worried about is, there, you know, it's going to be a one-time thing and sales were, you know, not going to be, um, stable after that but it, that was mm-hmm. not the case people tried the hot dog and then they came back and they tried steak and everything else and um you know we, st- we still have some customers we've gained from that that are amazing and order from us once a month and you know are just oh, wow. really good really good people so um we were, we were pretty blessed and fortunate from that and uh, we learned a ton just operationally marketing wise everything um, mm-hmm. and we had a ton of ideas going into 2020 and then COVID hit, and it was just a matter of, of um, kind of hanging on by the seat of our pants. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I bet. I mean, what would you say your typical consumer is like, are they somebody that are they maybe a rancher that just wants some Wagyu or are they a consumer like, like a foodie or something? What would you say like your, I guess your most typical consumer would be? It, it differs, uh, geographically. So you know, mm. our, some of our best selling states, obviously we're located in Missouri. So Missouri, Kansas are are two of our best-selling states. You know, outside of that, it's California, New York, Texas, Florida, um, places like that. So uh, here in the mid- Midwest, it's it's kind of the, the more higher-end blue-collar worker that, that orders from us. If you're mm-hmm. talking East Coast or West Coast, it's normally a younger um, professional with with uh, with a higher income. Gotcha. 
And w- do you guys work locally with um, chefs or anything like that? Or are you intending to do that down the road? Well, inventory has been a constant issue with us the last few years. So <laughs> I bet. That, that's, that's one we're trying to, we're actually working pretty hard to, to fix this first quarter. Um, just making sure we have enough inventory put away in the freezer to, to last us, um, you know, almost the entirety of the year. So uh, this year will be the first that we actually kind of tr- try to crack back into the wholesale market a little bit. That's awesome. And so, I mean, hopefully COVID calms down and 2022 can be a whole lot easier for you guys. And I'm like, I mean, like, what's your next step to increase that inventory, to increase like working with more restaurants and get some more products and more consumers? Like, what are those kind of next steps you guys are looking to do? Um, it's it's kind of a, a trifold plan, I guess. Tried, I guess trifold, would that be the correct term? That sounds there's three like par- There's three <laughs> parts to it. Essentially, we're working on opening up a, actually, I'm sitting in here right now. We're working on opening up a brick and mortar permanently here in Parkville, Missouri. Um, it's kind of another revenue stream for us. Um, Mm -hmm. another, another portion is just making sure we have cash and processing capabilities to, to really kind of run this year. So, um, that, that's something we've been working on pretty heavily is just, you know, going out and buying more beef and and converting it to finished inventory and making sure that, um, you know, we can cover that cost while it's sitting in the freezer or we work to sell it. So, um, those are kind of the, the two big parts. And then the third part is, is the wholesale market making sure we have some solid outlets for for um, some of the products that don't sell incredibly well or, or ones that we just produce a ton of um, mm-hmm. on the website. So, gotcha. And is there any? Because I know a lot of people, most people, even if they don't know a thing or two about agriculture, they know what Wagyu beef is. They know it's like the top of the line beef. Is there any like? Um, is there any misinformation that you see some people have about Wagyu beef or anything like that? Or is there like something? Is there anything like that out there? Like people are like, yeah. oh, wait, isn't Wagyu this or isn't it massaged or whatever? Yeah, probably the two biggest misnomers I get is that um, Wagyu is not a breed of cattle, that it's something you can only get from Japan. That's not true. It is a breed of cattle. It is raised here in the United States. And the second of which is um, it has to be massaged and fed beer. So, <laughs> um, but we've been asked that question so many times that I'd be lying to you if I said we weren't thinking about doing it. So <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I mean, that'd be pretty funny. Have some people out there and you just have some random workers like massaging a cow. They're like, oh, my God, it's real. Hey, when I saw people were paying 150 bucks an hour to snuggle cattle, I was like, man, there's a market for anything <laughs> in the United States. So that's hilarious. I mean, that, that, yeah, I'm sure that could be a good addition to your business model. I mean, have some people hug a cow, scratch a cow, just charge for it. Yep. I mean, shoot, cow cuddles, 10... 10 bucks for a minute, something, I don't know. You got to get creative <laughs> in this in, in this industry and make money, so. Oh, yeah, you can. And so, I, you know, kind of going off of that, like, what do you think about the farmer-consumer relationship? I know a lot of people think, like, social media is good. A lot of people think it's bad about that relationship. So how do you feel about that farmer-consumer relationship? You know, it's it's pretty interesting not being from the agriculture world and, you know, running this company for a few years. Um, that, that was kind of the reason I had this idea was I wasn't from an agriculture background and I'm sitting here listening to all my, you know, professors talk about just how wrong the consumer market is about a lot of the things mm-hmm. going on with their food. And there's this balance there, right? Like we have this exponential growth in our population and we have to figure out how to feed those people. Um, and so there, there's a balance of, you know, people really want organic and want to know where their food's coming from. But at the same time, it's like to raise products efficiently, um, I, I'm not sure if that's sustainable either. So, uh, we, we, we have some things to figure out in the food world to, to kind of mm. figure out how we keep up with 
um, you know, not only feeding this country, but you know, feeding China and some of the other countries that we export to. So um, it's been interesting on that side, just kind of thinking through what's the market going to look like in 20 years, especially in the cattle industry, because there's a, a lot of controversy, right, for the, the cattle industry and, and just, uh, you know, things that are going on with greenhouse gases in the United States. And um, we try to stay out of those arguments and, and leave that part to the scientists. And, and we, we try to do our part of being being smart with the way we do things um, mm-hmm. and really, really being good caretakers of the land we, we do own um, and making sure the cattle that we do buy are, are raised in a similar husbandry fashion that, that we believe in. Um, so that's all been pretty interesting. I'm not really sure. I wish I, you know, had a had a glass ball where I could I could tell you all the answers, but um, hmm. you know, kind of it will be interesting to see how how we keep up with with demand for beef. Um, and I think the other interesting part is is there's a huge demand for quality beef. Um, mm. People are pretty sick of you know going to the grocery store and even with some of the labels that that are trigger words nowadays that the beef isn't always the best product you've ever tried. So um, I think there's a market for other people to do what I'm doing. So, Oh yeah. And now correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, some beef now, for example, like if you go to Walmart and you get some ground beef, it's not usually going to have its country of origin on there anymore. Is it? No. And that's all been kind of interesting. I I, I feel like there was some controversy about that during 2020. Wasn't there? Yeah, Um, I think so. We got tagged in a ton of social posts there. Like, if you want American beef, buy from these guys. So I, I'm guessing that that was kind of – I tried to stay out of some of that because it's just – it's crazy, and we try to play Switzerland with, with their marketing because we believe everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um, and, you know, not there's not one right answer. It's a lot of gray area. Sweet. But, yeah, kind of going off what you're saying, um, I mean, there were so many people talking about, like, country of origin for beef. I mean – they would want beef that's sustainable, but then you don't know where it's coming from. And so if it's like from Brazil, where they're literally like cutting down parts of the rainforest for more cattle operations, but you want to buy American beef, but it's not going to say American beef unless it really is American beef. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a really weird, weird thing. I have no idea why that happened. There's a lot of tough questions to ask yourself in the agriculture market right now. Another one I think about constantly is, you know, people are big into wild caught fish and it's like, well... Yeah, I get it that it might be a little better for you, but is it the best thing for the ecosystem in the ocean, right? So it's like, man, we just got to figure out how to how to kind of balance that out of you know making sure we're feeding the country without destroying our world. So and feeding feeding yeah, exactly. the world too. I mean, we produce a ton of products for for China and other places as well. So yeah, exactly. And I mean, going off that farmed um, fish thing. So my grandpa had a farm um, hybrid bass operation when I was a kid. And so they would go out there, sand the ponds, catch the bass. And then I think after like four or five years, he transitioned to catfish and then did that for a while. And then um, I think about five years, 10 years total. So five years after they switched to catfish, he stopped it. And so they just had ponds filled with catfish. So we'd go over there all the time and catch the fish. And I I was like, this is farm catfish. It's fine. It's super healthy. It's super delicious. Like, I don't see a problem with this. I mean, right. Yeah, and it's, it's I'd bring up the same same argument for for organic and some of the other issues that mm. um, people are big into. It they care about their health, they care about what they're feeding their kids. Um, but you know, is it sustainable in the long run? That's that's a question I don't have the answer to, and you know, I'm not sure anybody does. So we got a lot of things <laughs> to figure out. Yeah, for sure. I feel like sustainable is now that term. I mean, a few years ago it was organic. Now it's sustainable. 
I don't know. I, I feel like the next one's going to be like plant based or animal based or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. And, I mean, you never know. I don't know, man. That like Beyond Meat was huge and number one IPO of 2020 there. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it'll be artisan <laughs> beef and, and, and Petri raised beef. I don't know. So, I mean, there you go. Maybe they'll have some impossible Wagyu or something like that. I they're, mean, they're already working on it, man. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, I saw one the other day. It was like imitation chicken nugget substitute. And that, that was the name of the brand. And I was like, look, could you not hire a better marketing department than just to call it that? I mean, I get that it's plant-based, but make it somewhat attractive, not just like call it like it is, I guess. I mean, sure, it's great. Consumers have an extra choice, whatever, but let's be creative. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty interesting. Some of the things we're seeing right now. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like as somebody that has a great beef company, Kansas City Cattle or Casey Cattle Company, are you scared of like, or are you a little bit worried about the the plant-based meats or do you just think it's a fad or do you think it's like another product for consumers to choose from? You know, I've kind of thought through this process of like, hey, what'll, what'll it look like in 20 years? Is Casey Cattle Company sustainable? And, uh, you know, I think there's always going to be a market for expensive artisan beef. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think there could be an opportunity there to, to kind of carve out some of the some of the lesser cuts that we see in our grocery store and, and replace it with, with some of this, some of these other products we're selling online. So um, that's kind of the model we, we we're planning on and uh, we hope we're right. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I really agree with you. Like I think real beef, real Wagyu is always going to be around. I mean, I saw impossible. They, they marketed somewhere like some trade show there in this big banner. It was like, our goal is to completely eradicate animal agriculture and i was like look that's never gonna happen like but you get marketed as <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it's it's a sexy term like oh we're gonna get rid of animals like no no you're not like good beef good quality beef like i'd argue that regular beef is gonna be much more healthier than super duper processed like impossible meat that people think is just magically there like it's super processed but beef is literally beef yeah <laughs> I, I think there'll be a market for both and you know, i think i think the market can sustain both I just think we got to do things smarter as cattle ranchers across the board. So, Yeah. And I mean, if there's one thing like farmers, ranchers are always learning like the original stewards of the land. And so I feel like if like, I mean, ranchers are developing more and more sustainable ways, animal husbandry techniques are always improving. So, I mean, yeah, that's not bad. (laughs) So, um, Casey Cattle Company, if people want to learn more about you guys, if they want to order your Wagyu, also you've got some awesome merch. You've also got like a sweet cutting board on your store. So if people want to go there, order your products, where can they go? So you just go to CaseyCattleCompany.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Casey Cattle Company and Facebook as well. Awesome. Well, Patrick, this has been awesome, man. It was great to finally chat with you. Um, Oh, oh my gosh. I almost forgot about this. Um, All right. So here's how I found out about you. My wife, Allie, did her MBA at Auburn. Ah. And one of her classes, um, she and her team like did a, a proposal on, like, I think like you guys were working with Auburn for like rebranding or something. Is that right? Yeah, basically, yeah. I think that was their like final capstone deal there was doing an audit for a real life business. So we were that real life business. Yeah, that was so cool. She told me, she was like, hey, you need to interview this guy. He's got like a veteran owned company, Casey Cattle Company. I looked it up, I was like, Oh my God, this is phenomenal. So 
Look at that. It was great. I thought that was super cool. Yep, worlds collide. The worlds collide. Look at that. All right. Well, Patrick, this has been so fun, man, chatting with you, learning about KC Cattle Company. Um, again, thank you for your service. I think you guys are awesome. This company is awesome, what you're doing. So best of luck, and we'll have to talk with you soon. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate you having me on, man. Again, thank you for listening to this episode with Patrick. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did interviewing him. And again, be sure to check them out. Their website is kccattlecompany.com. And if you like this content, maybe you're new here, consider subscribing to the show. And you can also see more of our awesome content over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, which is thefarmtraveler.com. And, you know, again, if you're new here, check out our episodes, share with a friend or family member, and we'll see you next week. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.